Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian and Anthony McDaniels bringing you another episode of the Wacky World of Energy. We're recording a little bit later than we typically do, but, you know, I had my morning coffee. I'm not feeling too groggy. How about you, Anthony? I'm feeling right as rain, Tavis. Good, good. Well, we're going to need that energy because you have been scraping quite quite some good articles the past two weeks because uh, we missed last week. Memorial Day threw some stuff off. I was moving, but... There's no shortage of wacky news this week. Oh, man. It's like we got more good news to talk about, <laughs> make fun of in the last two weeks than we usually get in four weeks. It's, in, it's insane, man. Yeah, when it it's rains, man, it pours. Should I kick it off yeah. with this first one, the radical plan? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and kick that off a little bit? All right. So we've got this oil price article here titled, A Radical Plan to Halt the Oil Price Rally. Now, this was published... Back in June, well, I'm sorry, back on June 1st by Alex Kimani. Starts, the summer driving season is here again and U.S. motorists are feeling real pain at the pump. This is no new news, but the national average for unleaded gas hit a new high of 4.67 per gallon on Wednesday. The situation's not any better in Europe with energy prices skyrocketing as the world contends with supply chain bottlenecks. But Italy's Prime Minister, Mario Draghi, has hatched an even more radical plan to continue dun, dun, dun. the oil price rally. The former European Central Bank president has floated the idea of creating a cartel of oil consumers. So his bum, idea bum, bum. is to make a, an OPEC, but uh, from the other side of the transaction for people who want to buy. And I really don't know how this story even made it to the press because what? was isn't it he who has the gold makes the rules? Yeah. We should, what do they want to call it, OPIC? <laughs> organization of Petroleum Importing price. Importing oil Organization of Petroleum Importing Countries Yeah Oh geez. What a dingle hopper Only a politician and banker would come up with some junk like this I mean <laughs> If you try to implement something like this It would be an absolute joke Because you'd essentially come out and say We would cap the amount that we would pay for uh, MCF of gas or a barrel of oil. I mean, that's the direction you're heading. Yep. We won't buy your energy from you if you charge more than X for that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So basically, you know, if you need so many barrels or so many cubic feet of energy mm-hmm. and you say, I won't pay more than X for that energy, you know what? You'll find some people that will sell it to you for that or lower, but you're probably not going to round out your entire volume need. No, of course So not. if you stuck to your guns and said, we would only pay so much for said energy, you would end up with basically a shortage in your country. Mm-hmm. Because some people would be like, well, I'm not going to sell it to you for that price. Well, I don't want to buy it for that price. Okay, well, then go find it somewhere else. Oh, that's right. You guys don't know <laughs> how to drill a well because you figured out you didn't need oil and gas 20 years ago, right? And that's I mean, exact- it just drives me nuts. It, it does. It, me too. Because even at the bottom, at the very bottom of the article, someone takes it further. Meanwhile, Michael Bloss, a German Green MEP, has suggested that the EU should create a cartel with other developed countries, including the US, UK, Japan, and South Korea, which represent a huge share of oil consumption. He said, if they together say, this is the price we're going to pay, but not more, the sellers, they will have to abide by it. This special time needs special action. That's all fine and romantic and uh, very yeah, poetic. I mean, but yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. Because now you'd have a bank of refineries on somebody's coastline, and they would say, I can't take that. 
And then they would have the regulators yelling at them, why aren't you supplying more stuff? Because I can't pay for what... Well, well, you need to tell them they can't sell it that high. But I don't have any leverage. You're basically going to offload the enforcement of this to private sector. Hey, sorry, guys. We can't take this at our refinery because, you know, our leader, who's so ingenious, decided that we can't pay that price. You know, and you would probably end up shutting down more refineries during this process, Mm -hmm. which would further create bottlenecks and supply shortages over time. It's absolutely ridiculous. I I can only hope that an an idea this stupid doesn't get any traction. I mean, I I can only hope for that. I mean, if you want your stuff that you need at a better price, then you need to go down the steps to figure out how to make some or more of it yourself. Mm -hmm. The only way yourself playing out is us saying hey OPEC Russia we we're only buying it that well I guess Russia's off the table but if you say we're buying at this price what's to stop them from saying uh no but you can come back next week when you really need it and we'll sell it 150 dollars yeah, right. a barrel exactly I mean it's absolutely ridiculous at this point they only really floated the idea for natural gas not oil because with oil comes a lot more refining in the middle right mm-hmm. gas not so much you do some separation some stripping and you know, more or less, it's it's pretty much needs a fraction of the effort to take natural gas from a pipeline, be ready to use for home use or commercial use or whatever. But still, the concept is wrought with all kinds of issues. <laughs> it just adds bureaucracy at a time when bureaucracy is creating more problems mm. and you want to put more in there. I mean, these ideas are of epic stupidity. And, you know, I hope that these things don't gain traction, but you know what? Who knows what's going to happen in this wacky world of energy, you know? And then all of this <laughs> on to our next article, Russia sends record volumes of oil to India and China. This is from May 27th, 2022, an oil price article. Um, record volumes, everybody record volumes. I mean, I'm just going to kind of pick out some of this, You know, this is a fairly short article, but essentially, while Europe shuns Russian oil amid sanctions and expectations of an oil embargo on Russian oil imports, this was before the EU actually announced that they would cut 90% of Russian oil by the end of 2022. Um, India and China have stepped up purchases and are importing record volumes, record volumes of Russian crude. According to data from energy analytics company Kepler, cited Bloomberg on Friday, Russia had up to 79 million barrels of crude either traveling on tankers or held in floating storage over the past week. That's more than double the 27 million barrels of crude Russia had seaborne in February. Oh, my God. Yeah. in money. Just profits falling from the sky. I know, even, yeah, yeah. Before the war, Russia was primarily selling its crude to Europe. But this is no longer the case after buyers, governments, international trading houses, and oil majors are all avoiding dealing with Russian oil. Remember, everybody, this is before the EU officially announced the ban. Russia was already ready, guys. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of private trading houses, insurance companies, and all this other stuff said, nah, no, no, they were already stopping to send a good a good chunk of Russian crude was already not going in normal routes for a while. And then they were like, well, let's put it all in the ocean and send it to India and China. They'll buy it. And they have been. whoop de frickin do 
Your sanctions, yet again, are fucking pointless. The only thing they have to do is they have the point of creating a higher price through those imposing said sanctions. So, anyway, we have... And and these guys aren't even hiding this. I mean, this doesn't even account... You know, China and India aren't shying away from Russian crude, the article continues. Although some Chinese state giants haven't ramped up imports, haven't wrapped up ramped up imports of spot cargoes from Russia, despite the deep discounts. Oh, okay. <laughs> some Chinese state giants. Uh, yeah. Some. In India, cheap Russian crude is attracting India's price-sensitive buyers to the point that Russia became the fourth largest oil supplier to India in April, moving up from 10th place in March. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's quite the jump. Yeah. The significant increase in India's purchases of Russian crude has already drawn the attention of the United States, which has reportedly sent a U.S. federal government official to discuss U.S. sanctions on Russia to try and convince India to reduce... Convince India? How? We have nothing to bargain with besides uh, we we really want this transition to go through and you guys aren't helping. That's going to fall on deaf ears. Yeah, this is just... It's just a freaking... My game is schmucks, man. I just... It's insane, you know? And why? Next article up. Russian oil sells at huge discounts. Yeah, of course. The key price of, and this is another oil price article for May 31st of this year. Uh, The key price of Russian export grade Urals averaged 73.24 a barrel between the middle of April and the middle of May. And that was nearly 32% lower than average Brent price. (laughs) So, yeah, Russia is sending their crude to India and China who are getting it on a huge discount. And what do we have to do? Let's send somebody to go and ask them real nice not to do it because we're trying to play a game and (laughs) and we need everybody to play the game. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, and 32%, that's not that bad because what, that last article said they're selling more than double the amount of oil they were before, so they're making more money than before the invasion. Well, roughly, back of the envelope-wise. Yeah. I mean, all these articles just separate the haves from the have-nots, but it's I know. have hydrocarbons and don't have hydrocarbons. That's right. Unlike European buyers, the article continues, China and India aren't shying away from Russian crude, although some Chinese giants haven't ramped up their imports. Oh, that sounds very similar to the statement mm-hmm. from the last article. Look, at the end of the day, everybody, all of our sanctions that the United States and Europe are throwing on Russia are only having the effect of Russia finding alternative routes for their crude, Putting it on discount and having ample buyers in the wings. It's not hurting them at all. Mm. In fact, every week that goes by with this reality reinforces the new global norm that's starting to be forged that if you don't want to sell your energy through the U.S.-backed NATO-centric system of dollars and euros, then you don't have to simple as that you just don't have to what are we gonna do send the military to india and guard the ports and convince them that way <laughs> we have to be real nice with india for all those who aren't the geopolitical bus because india is in this weird little india is not a big fan of china right they have all these disputes around the himalayas where their borders mm. match and india is also more than open to trading from the middle east with people that don't like the united states which is most of them 
Um, they're obviously not shy about trading with Russia. Yeah. Um, they're economically very aligned with the axis on the eastern side of the planet. But they're also part of this quad arrangement with the United States and Australia, you know. So, and I think it's either United Kingdom or Japan. I don't know. There's so many little alliances and groups. <laughs> I, I don't keep them all straight. But at the end of the day, India is kind of in this weird little India is going to do what they're going to do. So you got to be kind of careful with them because they still have a huge pool of labor in India that can still make you a lot of stuff at a good price, you know, like what China's done for the West for a very long time. Um, but they also are an energy ravenous country and they're going to get their energy where they can get it. Right. And, and then it's just the reality that we have. So, I mean, this all begs the question. This is a great article. It was, it's an oil price article written by zero hedge of, I've, I've I've uh, the next article up is how Russia has remained one step ahead of Western sanctions. And this article came out June 2nd. Mm -hmm. And this article is absolutely phenomenal. For those of you who don't know, Zero Hedge is a, you know, guy goes by the alias of Tyler Durden or I something. Love right? stuff, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's been writing for a very long time. His genesis was, I believe, after the great financial crisis. I guess he was some Wall Streeter and mm. decided to start just regularly writing and reporting on the stupidity of economics <laughs> markets across the world. And, you know, um, but this article is absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, so we're going to talk about this. We're going to spend a little bit of time on this, Tavis. Here's the bullet. So how Russia has remained one step ahead of Western sanctions by Zero Hedge in June 2nd. The U.S. and these are the bullets I'm going to throw it to you, Tavis, to kind of go into the article. The U.S. and the EU have levied massive sanctions against Russia. This bullet one. Bullet two. Moscow has managed to stay one step ahead of the West with the help of India and Chinese refiners and tankers. Ha! <laughs> This is a common little thread here. And the third bullet, as long as India and China are willing to bypass sanctions, Russian oil will continue to flow. And flow it will. So where do we go in this article? Where do, let's, let's, Tavis, why don't you talk about some spots in the article? Sure, I'll pick up, uh, well, in an all-too-classic move at this point, we've got the little subsection, Russia stays one step ahead of sanctions, and it talks yeah. about, well, oil is also being transferred between ships at sea. Page out of the playbook used to buy and sell sanctioned Iranian and Venezuelan oil. The transfers are happening in the Mediterranean, off the coast of West Africa, and the Black Sea, with oil then heading towards China, India, and Western Europe, according to shipping companies. Overall, Russian oil exports rebounded in April, like we looked at in the last article, after dropping in March as the first Western sanctions took effect. So, it goes on a little bit later to say that they are going dark, per se. To avoid the large insurance costs, the ships will turn off their GPS systems to go dark, then transfer oil to large megatankers, uh, such as the Lauren 2, a giant Chinese crude carrier that can hold about 2 million barrels of oil. So you can mix this in easy, or just put it on this tanker, lie about the papers, wow. and sell it straight to China, or hell, I don't know, send it to India. Give China a little yeah. cut. There are plenty of trade routes. And uh, one, I think my favorite line in this article... Uh, something only politicians could concoct. He says, the desire to do something is so politically powerful that politicians would rather inadvertently aid Russia than do nothing at all, which is what we talk about in this wacky world of energy. All of these weird policies we come up with are only making the ruble that much stronger, is only allowing Russia to move that much more oil and only drawing a 
more and more bold line in the sand between two very different parties. Yeah, I mean, we're going to throw some numbers from this article at everybody here. So overall, Russian oil exports rebounded in April after dropping in March as the first Western sanctions took effect. The IEA said Russian oil exports rose rose by 620,000 barrels to 8.1 million barrels a day, close to its pre-war levels. <laughs> With the biggest increase going to India. Bomb, bomb, bomb. India has emerged as a key hub for Russian oil flows. The country's imports have skyrocketed to 800,000 barrels a day since the war began compared with 30,000 barrels a day previously. So essentially, everybody, all that Russian crude that we've been talking about is going to make its way anyway. Here's the numbers, everybody. Hot Mm. off the press. And guess what? Dun, dun, dun. The Russian oil's still moving. Oh, but what about these EU sanctions? And by the end of the year, they're going to stop pipelines and maritime shipping and all that. I thought that was supposed to do something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just a total freaking joke. This whole thing is not working. It's just a big old, we're going to shake our fist and we're going to sanction. Well, yeah, you're going to sanction them out of your system Again, we keep having this like belief that if the United States and Western Europe says something, that the whole world has to follow it. No, they don't. Says who? Well, yeah, otherwise you can't use our currency system. Okay, okay, then fine. If you give somebody enough of a discount, they'll find a workaround and they'll trade with each other. Oh, yeah. That's what happens. When you can't... It's, it's the market, man. I mean, that's what's going to happen. When are these politicians going to realize that? Uh, you know, I mean, if you really want to do something, why don't you announce a huge freaking compact with India to say we're going to supply you and we're going to supply you by increasing production mm. or by setting up LNG contracts yeah. or anything? No, we're just doing ad hoc shooting from the hip. Who can we, you know... Basically, we're so focused on not developing more hydrocarbons here and then taking whatever excess we have to Europe because they made themselves dependent on Russian energy. That was their fault. Mm -hmm. And we let it happen while supplying 80-90% of the NATO forces and funding to Europe. We're allowing them to do this, become dependent on Russia, which didn't just yesterday decide we're going to potentially try to exert our will. I mean, if the annexation of Crimea in 2014 wasn't a warning shot, I don't know what is. That was He had eight years of a very sober reality of what Russia could do if it wanted to do it. And, and the- you still decided to decommission coal plants in Germany. Mm-hmm. You still decided to ban fracking and natural gas development in England and in Northern Europe. What is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Why um- am I paying for your mistakes? Not only that, because that's but what's happening. All of these pipelines that were continued, what the expansion to the Nord Stream, the Nord Stream Two. Who yeah. thought this was a good idea at all? You look at the map, and Russia has its tendrils deep into Europe. And actually, Zero Hedge has another article that he released three days after this previous one, titled "What Does Europe's Ban on Russian Oil and Gas Mean for the West?" Where he yeah. highlights Russia supplies as much as forty percent of the EU's yeah. energy needs. Now, of course, you're going to have what is it? Bulgaria's like damn near 
halfway dependent on gas and other countries maybe less but there's a lot of energy in europe that comes straight from russia and he talks about how well (laughs) what are we going to do uh what quote from the solutions offered by governments and in the mainstream media neglect certain realities namely they claim that output can be increased or diverted to europe to fill the gap joe biden has suggested that the u.s is a net exporter of oil This advantage has swiftly declined since he entered the White House, according to the EIA and Link's direct data, and that the U.S. could help alleviate European demand. The IEA and OPEC members, like Saudi Arabia, have offered to increase market availability and output of oil if Russian exports are hit with sanctions. And how is that possible? I mean, already, look at the cost of energy resources, and we have a lot of them here, and we're struggling to produce them. It's not going to happen like that. article goes on and I, the guy's right again this was another zero hedge article put out by oilprice.com the problem and this is from the article couldn't agree more with this the problem is that increased production is a fantasy stifled by the realities of labor shortages increased drilling costs due to inflation and shortages in raw materials caused by supply chain disruptions there's little chance that production capacity will ever be able to match EU demands, according to experts in the drilling industry. And the other thing in that little paragraph I didn't even touch on is administrative and political headwinds yeah. on top of all of that. Yeah. Right. So in order for Europe to fulfill, continuing in the article here, in order for Europe to fulfill its energy needs while banning its primary import source, the union will have to leach existing supplies from the global market. In other words, supplies will be greatly reduced in the West and prices are about to spike exponentially in order to feed the EU. I don't want to bleed out to help them. We're going to have our own battles here. I mean, natural gas is hitting 950 pretty regularly. It might go higher. The more that we try to squeeze sanctions, the more that China and India increase purchases. It's literally doing nothing except raising the price of energy in the United States and in Europe. Mm Mm-hmm. That's all we're doing. That's it. That's that's the net effect mm-hmm. of this whole thing. Well, we could uh, avoid that by starting. I mean, of course, this production is not going to be here for probably a couple of years, especially with those aforementioned supply chain shortages, uh, material shortages. But if we start now, it'll get better sooner. But it it does bother me well, that we're 100 days into this. And over. And, yeah, and the irony is... We're still getting Russian hydrocarbons to the United States. We're still. I mean, I mean, you phones. go looking around. The, oh, yeah. Well, no, not just that. I mean, if India's taken Russian crude actively, mm-hmm. and we import diesel from India oh, actively, <laughs> hello, hello. Oh. I mean, you got stuff showing up at New York, refined products that we're importing, or wherever that we're importing. Come on. I mean, it's, it's, that's the irony is that you still end up. So, first of all, the flows are still flowing. And second of all, you're still getting them. Yep. The only thing you're doing is jacking up the price of your own currency. That's it. Mm. There's, your, there's, your gold, there's your gold star. It's so the, easy I to mean, lie about oh, the origins of God, all these hydrocarbons. So stupid. Mm. You know, and so what are we trying to do domestically? And I will, we'll, we'll wrap this week's segment up with a couple. Of, uh, <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, the Biden administration seeks to restart idled oil refineries. Hey, oh, that's that cute. Like a good solution. Yeah, oil price article from May 27th. 
Since the start of the pandemic two years ago, refineries with a combined capacity of over 1 million barrels a day have been shuttered. So we are still dragging our feet on getting refining capacity, domestic mm. refining capacity back online. Back online. We're not doing ourselves any favors here. Right? I mean, the federal government is seeking to get the oil industry to restart idle refineries, Bloomberg has reported. According to the source, officials, including members of the National Economic Council, have been contacting industry players to inquire about the possibility of restarting refineries previously shut down. <laughs> Since the start of the pandemic, refineries with a combined capacity of over 1 million barrels per day have been shuttered. Globally, some 2.1 million barrels of refining capacity has been shut down since 2020. That blows my mind. 50% mm -hmm. is here in the States? Mm-hmm. The United States has a huge chunk of global refining capacity, like especially weighted for the size of our population. But either way, it's still... I mean, not to mention that there was a lot of refiners that were slated to be converted for biofuels. Oh, yeah. Do you like, think those really? processes have started yet? Because, what, now we have to uh, undo that knows? work and go back? It's a changing thing every freaking week. You know, <laughs> you know I mean, we're going to release strategic reserves, but we're not going to, like, where's our refining capacity? You not, know? It's not what it used to be, especially on the East Coast. That's why there's those diesel shortages. It's almost gone to zero. Yeah, and then this just kind of dovetails into something else. What do Biden's new ethanol mandates mean for you? <laughs> oh, man. I'm excited for folks who haven't heard our stance yeah. on ethanol yet. Oh, God. Ethanol is a freaking disaster. It's a waste of land. It's a waste of food. It's a waste of energy. And in all reality, it isn't even good for the engines that burn it. Yeah, just horrible. So, June 6th, oil price article, another one by Zero Edge. He was popular this, in this episode, I guess. <laughs> Biden has proposed new ethanol mandates, pushing the most ethanol ever used. The move to blend more ethanol into gasoline has been met with uh, mixed responses. Farmers are cheering for the move, though consumers could face higher food prices while seeing very little relief at the pump. Essentially, what this guy did is he said, hey, look, the summer blend that usually needs to use less ethanol, we'll let you use more. Oh, God. Using land to grow a crop to then cut down and essentially burn, first of all, on its face, sounds absolutely ludicrous. But when you go into this stuff, I mean, we've written content about it. You can look it up for yourself. It's a freaking joke. But your your solution to try and help with fuel prices is to let them give them more rain to mix in more biofuels, and biofuels. From sources but, that are uh, only increasing in price? Yeah. It still takes a year to grow a crop. Last I checked, a full mm. season, right? Mm. I mean, uh, none of this stuff's going to solve a problem overnight. You know, you might save yourself 20 cents a gallon at the freaking pump for a month. Maybe. Maybe two months. Maybe 30 cents a gallon. Mm. But you know what? If the price of oil goes up by 50 60 $70 a barrel in U.S. dollars, so much for that little savings feeling, it's going to get wiped away. You won't even know anything happened. Right? And then, boom. Of course, the corn growers cheer. The Biden EPA should be commended. Refiners complain. <laughs> so the corn growers cheer and the refiners complain. I hate to say this, everybody, but when you need refined products and you have a shortage of refining capacity, when you need diesel and gasoline... 
You should probably listen more to the refiners. Mm. I mean, just we've got saying. Two big lobby groups who have just butted heads forever, but it's it's just so strange to hear looking to open old refineries. Oh, that's great. And then immediately back it up with new ethanol mandates yeah. that are going to increase yeah. fuel prices. No, no, yeah. Meantime, and this is from the article here. Oh, we need to open refiners. Oh, we need to do this. Oh, we need to do this. Meantime, Congress's ethanol mandate is causing many small refiners to shut down and the U.S. to import more foreign fuel. Oh, perfect. Last week, the EPA denied 36 hardship exemptions for small refiners. Mm-hmm. You have a refining shortage. You have a diesel shortage. You have a gasoline shortage. You need refining capacity. To come back online. And you're denying hardship exemptions for small refiners who are just trying to get around like, don't make me have to do all this biofuel mixing stuff. I can give you gasoline, but the biofuel reporting and the biofuel acquisition and the biofuel blending and the biofuel, all that is creating a hardship. I'm a small refiner. The only refiners that exist. Two years ago. Come on. (laughs) You're through it, right? You've been making money for the past two years. Well, and it's not like this is in the backdrop of dropping food prices, everybody. Mm. Come on. I mean, the synopsis here is 30% higher corn prices while other crops rising by 20%. So corn's going up even faster. Cool. So that means growing more (laughs) corn for ethanol causes increased amounts of water pollutants from U.S. farms. Expect more fertilizer use when fertilizer costs are soaring. Mm. More summer smog. E15 erodes older car engines, gas pumps, storage tanks, and pipelines. Small refiners will suffer, and these are not my words, but I do love how they wrote this. (laughs) And some will go out of business allowing Elizabeth Warren to moan about the concentration of big oil. (laughs) So we're barreling down the path of $150 barrels pretty quick and... I don't. I don't see things getting too much better. I mean, quick. this is this is all just more of a freaking joke. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do more sanctions. The EU says we're gonna ban ninety percent of Russian crude by the end of twenty twenty two, and we have articles coming out, data coming out now that are saying that the Russian oil exports are pretty much where they were before this thing started in February. Mm-hmm. So you haven't locked them off at the knees there. Oh no. Right, you've drained your strategic reserves, which you drained your strategic reserves at seventy, eighty, ninety dollar oil, <laughs> and now you're going to fill them back up yeah, at one hundred and twenty dollars. I mean, what a freaking joke! It is, and if and you look at the gas prices, you've got this upward slope, and there's this tiny little dip from the SPR release it goes down, and then we go right back oh, up. God, because the market's a lot smarter than any of us, yeah? Mm-hmm. And it's certainly a lot smarter than these politicians and their games and the <laughs> lies that they tell the people. Uh, markets are like, oh, you're going to sanction Russia. Well, the price of oil goes up for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take the, an actual <laughs> economist to figure this out. These are all very simple supply-demand oh, geopolitical principles, but I mean, I it's, it's lost on most. It is an absolute disaster, man. It is an absolute freaking disaster. And and I want everybody, all of our listeners to understand again, this is the flavor of this type of series that we're doing. But when you're talking to friends and family, I've started doing it. Tavis, I hope you have too. <laughs> you you can start me to do it a little more. Make more people aware of the lunacy of these things. The more, the more that people are talking about it, I think the more people will continue to talk about it and be like, you know what? Yeah. You know, I mean, people talk. And when enough people talk, enough people start thinking in a certain way. You know what? I'm not... I'm not here to try and convince anybody of one thing or another. I mean, we have our positioning and that's fine. 
But again, people want to demonize hydrocarbons. Why? You're using them all the time. If you're going to use them all the time, you need to be at least honest with yourself how much you're using and then you can figure out, well, where am I getting them from? Because if I want any influence on how they're used, how they're extracted, how they're combusted and all these things, the more of it that I have for myself knowing that I'm using them anyway, the better chance I have to influence that. But no, we would rather point fingers and tell somebody else they can't do a certain thing. But then they're going to do it anyway. Then we would rather say, oh, it's the oil company's fault. So let's punish them. And let's like make them look bad because that's going to help increase our production. Oh, you know, we have this refining problem. Let's deny all those hardship exemptions from those small refiners that have a problem complying with the EPA who's directed by the freaking, you know, people that the president puts in this cabinet. Yeah. Let's go ahead and ignore their pleas for help. Hey, I want to refine for you, but I'm having a hard time with all this. How's a small refiner supposed to source their feedstock of ethanol to meet the government's mandate for ethanol blending. How are they supposed to do that? Couldn't tell you. Exactly. And so let's deny their hardship exemptions. <laughs> All while we're going to tell the American <laughs> consumer. Yeah. Sorry that everybody's paying so much for gasoline. Sorry, we may have to even consider rationing diesel. And you might have some empty store shelves around the country because truckers, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be harder and harder for them to make what they need to make to get things done. And all their little companies, you know, most of the trucking industry is like a lot of other industries. The majority of it isn't the big players. It's small independent proprietors. It's people that own a trucking company. It could be a husband and a wife out of their freaking house. And they have three or four trucks and five or six employees. That's the majority of American transportation, everybody. Mm-hmm. And just like with the energy industry and every other industry, the majority of the energy industry is not Chevron. It is not Exxon. It is the plethora of small, private, ma-pa companies, companies you don't see listed on the stock market. You know, people who provide gasoline for you and your gas pumps to your car. These are not the big conglomerate companies that run most of these gas stations, right? So whenever you add bureaucracy, you add hurdles to small business operators that, well, you may not have heard their name, probably they make up more than 50% in most industries of what's supplying you that thing and you're going to make it harder on them you're going to deny their hardships and then you want to turn around and blame other governments blame big companies when in all reality the big companies are the ones that can more weather the storm chevron can weather this a lot better than the quick corner so there you go i mean i guess you know we're going a little bit longer on this week's but hey we didn't do last week so i figure Throw a couple extra minutes in there. I hope everybody likes it. Perfect. And I would like to remind everybody, this is the wacky world of energy. So we are cherry picking the stupidest, asinine, and most idiotic articles to talk about because it is out there. It's not all bad, but we're trying to bring this to attention. And like Anthony said, start challenging some people. Sway some opinions. Play devil's advocate. sooner people start thinking about this, the sooner they start to change their minds and maybe vote a little bit differently and... That really benefits us all when oil is less than $100 a barrel. But until then, keep learning. Keep yourself informed. Go to rarepetro.com. Follow us on LinkedIn. We'll always let you know when a new piece of content is out. And, hey, let's keep growing because, yeah, it's going to get tough. But there's going to be people who come out of this a little bit stronger on the other side. So thanks again for tuning in to the wacky world of energy. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody. Thanks, Tavis.